You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Like I said, my name is Ryan Edberg. If you weren't here last night, I'm going to try to get you into heaven today, but I don't know. I think the cutoff was last night. Um, now, we had a great time. We got to pray for people, and um, we do something that's called Kingdom Youth Conference, and we're the last traveling youth conference in the world that goes from city to city. And um, it's been a crazy season, but we've seen a lot of uh, students come to Christ, thousands and thousands of students over the last six, seven years, and it's just been an awesome time. We uh, started off in 2016, and uh, by 2017, we doubled. 2018, we doubled. We kept going in 2019, and then 2020 happened. And, you know, it's an interesting season to have a traveling ministry. I remember we were in uh, Houston, Texas, and we were there, and we drove from uh, Nashville area all the way there, and we set up all day, we sound checked, we ate, we're there, the people are starting to show up at the door, and the pastor pulls me aside and says, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And I said, that would be great, let's go talk. And he said, hey, um, we're going to have to cancel this weekend. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're serious? I'm like, there's people at the door, what do you mean cancel? Like, what's... and." And he's a great man of God. We're actually doing an event with him again. Like, there's nothing. It wasn't about a lack of faith. It wasn't. But at that moment, nobody knew what was happening in the country, right? We didn't know how big it was, how small it was. We didn't know anything. But all I knew was that there was a, hundreds of kids waiting at the door ready to receive Jesus. And I couldn't turn them away. And um, so he said, yeah, we, we just can't do it. I got his blessing to set up across the street. We tore down the stage. <laughs> we moved across the street down the road a little bit to a different church we set up. We were about 30, 40 minutes late from starting, but we had the conference, and um, there's a lot of kids at the altar that weekend. And it it was a powerful time, but it was at that conference that I knew life is going to change a bit. And I got home, and my wife was there crying in bed, kind of threw her phone at me, and... (laughs) and said, take my phone, I can't look at it anymore. And we have a cleaning company. I don't know if you guys know this, but in a ministry, especially youth ministry, um, you're going to need something else to go with it. <laughs> and so we, we own a cleaning company in uh, Tennessee. We do stuff all through uh, Franklin, uh, Nashville area. And um, we had a 100 and some houses that we were cleaning for a month, and it went down to about 20, 25 in hours. And she's like, we just bought new cars. We're running three crews. Um, the company was starting to thrive. And then it went down to less than, you know, a fourth within hours. And she's like, I, we're going to lose our cars. We're going to have to lay off people. It's a terrifying moment. Like, you're traveling and doing ministry. You're not going to be able to do your conferences. Churches aren't going to have you come in and speak. We're done. I don't even know what we're going to do. And everything that she was saying was like just a punch in the gut. And I was like, yeah, it's true. This, that's right. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make it. This isn't, this isn't going to be good. And I started to leave the room and I stopped. And this, this like fire on the inside of me just started to burn. And I looked at her. I said, know your God. 
And I wasn't talking to her, I was talking to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> know your God. Because let me tell you something, when, when life happens, the devil is right there to give you an opportunity to live in fear, right? I could live in fear or we can live in faith, but you can't live in both. And so what we did is we got down, we started to pray, we blessed the company, we blessed the ministry, we did conferences throughout, churches still had us in to preach, um, different states told us we couldn't come, we said, you know what address we'll be at if you'd like to come with us, <laughs> but we, we did events through there, and we, we spoke life over the business, and I want to tell you that as soon as we did that, people started to text and say, we we're just kidding, we really want you to come back and clean, but that didn't happen, but what did happen as weeks and week went by one day at a time. We just stood on the promises of God. And we went and were faithful to the houses that were there. And they paid us. But the houses that we didn't clean for still paid us. <laughs> and the houses that we did clean for said, hey, there's something different about your company. We need you guys to make it. And gave $1,000 tips. And we didn't lay off anybody. We still paid people. The company is twice of what it was from before. And I, I say this not to pat myself on the back, but to say this isn't just my story. You have your own story in life. You have your what happened in life. And it doesn't even have to be 2020. Life is tough, right? Life comes at you, and it comes at you hard. And you get the opportunity to either stand in faith or stand in fear, but you can't stand in both. Right? I don't know about you guys, but it's been a rough few years for traveling ministry and all this kind of stuff. But how many of you could use a season of rest? How you could just use a deep breath for a moment? Some of the pressure to be relieved. I want to talk this morning about entering into his rest. And I say his rest. Why? Because your rest isn't good enough. Your rest only lasts for a moment until the next uh, bad news comes. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Hebrews 4 this morning. And I want to show you a few things through here about entering into his rest. And um, it's going to be pretty powerful. I'll end with a few scriptures. The whole place will get saved and we'll have a great lunch. So it's going to be really good. Um, what I do want to start off by saying is, you remember, go back into uh, Genesis. In six days, God created the earth, right? Created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. But see, that's, we know the six days, we know the seventh day, we know what happened and everything that God did. What's more important, though, is the eighth day that most people don't even think about. And on the eighth day, God, Matt, you're just an intern, but you're, there, you're right. On the eighth day, God rested. And on the ninth day, and on the tenth day, why? Because he rested, not because you, like, created Adam. He's like, man, Oh, angels gather around. That took a lot out of me. <laughs> I need a break. You guys watch them for a little bit. They might try to eat that fruit. I'm, I'm tuckered out. I'm just going to take a moment. I need a breather. No, he rested because he looked at everything. He said, it's good. It's done. It's finished, right? The same thing as Jesus on the cross looked and said, it is finished. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father and rested. And then sent us the Holy Spirit, but too many of us are resting. <laughs> Our part's not finished yet, <laughs> right? And so you look at this, and, and it was rested, and we need to enter into a rest. And I'm not saying uh, today for a rest where you call your boss, and you're like, I'm not coming in tomorrow. <laughs> like, 
It was a great message, and I'm out. <laughs> There's, I'm going to just binge Netflix, and it's going to be great, right? It's not the rest that I'm talking about, but I'm talking about entering into a place where you realize it's finished, where you realize that if the world is saying this is going to be bad, you're going to say, nah, my God's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Whenever something comes at you, you get in that spot of realizing it's finished. So let's, let's look at Hebrews 4 real quick. Hebrews 4, starting in 1, starts off and it says, Therefore, uh, since a promise remains of entering his rest, again, it's his rest that you need to enter into, not your rest. Let us fear, lest any of us seem to have fallen short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they had heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Look at this for a moment. It says the word that they had heard did not profit them. Did you know that the word of God should profit you? And I'm not talking about money, money cometh, but I'm talking about when you read the word of God, there should be something that happens. It might be financial. It might be your health. But there's a benefit that comes from reading the word of God. But it says that the word that they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with their faith. And he's talking about the word... They heard it, and they heard it, but to them, it was no effect because it wasn't mixed with their faith. And so have you ever wondered this? Like, there's so many Christians all over the world, but we're all experienced different results from the same God. Did you ever realize that there's different denominations, and in those denominations, there's the denominations they are receiving different results? Even look at inside of one church. In the church, hearing the same message from the same pastor, people are getting different results in life. Why? Because the word of God is 100% accurate. Amen? It is totally complete, but is not, it, it is true, but it's not complete until it's alive and working through you. Amen? So it's, it's the correct information, but it's, it's not full of power yet until you put your faith in it until you start to uh, function in it, if that makes sense. So the word that they heard was true, but it was to no effect because it wasn't mixed with their faith. So it goes from hearing a great message this morning, and some of you are going to say, that's my message. That's going to change my life. And some of you are like, that's a great message. It's time for Arby's, right? <laughs> so it goes from being the correct to that's my message. So, so if I go into the hospital and I, I say, doctor, you've got to help me out. I'm dying. And the doctor's like, that's, that's true, but I've got great news. You're just dehydrated. We're going to get some fluid in you. Um, you need to get some water in you, and uh, you're going to be just fine. In fact, you can go home in the morning, but that's all it is. You're just dehydrated. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then in the next day, I die. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't take a drink of water. He gave me the correct information, but I didn't act upon it. Right? So that's the word of God. And you're hearing, everybody's hearing the same message, but what you do with it is the results that you're going to get in your life. So let's keep going in Hebrews 4. And I'm going to jump down a little bit just for time's sake and where I want to go. But looking into um, Hebrews 4.11 through 13, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 
So look at this for a moment. Let's keep in context Hebrews 4. So Hebrews 4 starts off by saying there's a promise, therefore, of entering into his rest. So we know that Hebrews 4 is going to be all about entering into his rest. The first part says that it didn't do anything for them because it wasn't mixed their faith. So the first part for a promise to enter into his rest that you guys all said that you needed is taking the word of God and mixing it with your faith. The second part here says this, and I've used this verse many times in other different uh, messages, but let's keep it in a context of entering into his rest. And it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit. A soul and a spirit, how can you divide that? Like, you can't even see a soul and a spirit. Now, your spirit is the God part, right? You've been saved. If you've had Joseph Z here, he's probably done an incredible teaching on uh, spirit, soul, and body, right? And I'm sure pastor's done it a hundred times. But your spirit is your God part that's saved. As soon as you... Um, Except Jesus, you're as holy as you're ever going to be, as righteous as you're ever going to be in your spirit. That's what I said last night. Salvation is easy. The hard part is your mind, will, and your emotions to renew your mind, to get this to line up with what the word of God says. Now, I could pick on my daughter because she's here this morning. She helped with worship, and my son is here. But when she was younger, not now, <laughs> she was emotional, but not now. Where she would come home and she's like, this is the best day ever. This is, and then she gets a phone call and she like falls on the floor. My life's a dark hole of nothingness. And you're like, what happened in five minutes? And if you've got young teenage girls, you understand. But your mind, will, and emotions are all over the place. It changes, not even from season to season or day to day, but it can be moment by moment, right? And, and this is the part that's the hard part that you need to get your mind, will, and emotions to line up with the word of God, where you're like, man, you come out of church, that preacher was right on today, I can take over the world, and then you get home, and you're like, God, where are you? Help, help, right? We got to get our mind, will, and emotions in line with what the word of God says. And so it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide through that, the God part and what your mind, will, and emotions is. But that's impossible, because... How, show me a spirit and a soul so I can divide it. And then it says the joints and the marrow. And I talked to a doctor, and the doctors have said that's physically impossible, that joints and marrow, they're connected. So even with the sharpest knife, you cannot do it. So I'm like, what in the word? Are, what, what are you saying, God? But I believe this is 100% accurate. But what he was showing me is that what this is saying is that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword which means it's not really a sword, it's sharper than that. That it's able to do the impossible in the supernatural, and it's able to do what's impossible in the natural. So if you take the word of God, you mix it with your faith first, and then you let it do the impossible in either the supernatural or the natural, whatever you're facing. How do I combat the demons and the devils? How do I do that? I can't even see them. Let the word of God do it because you can't do it. I've got this sickness, this ailment in my body. The doctor says it's incurable. Well, great. Let the word of God do the impossible in that situation, right? My finances, I know I'm blessed and highly favored, but my bank account is disagreeing with that statement right now. You let the word of God do the impossible in that situation. If you want to enter into the rest, this is what it's saying. And then you go down into Hebrews 4, 6, or 14 through 16, and it says this. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but who in all points was tempted as uh, we are yet without sin. Let us therefore become boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help of time of need. So listen to this. The high priest was the, the mediator between God and men, right? So he was between God and men, and you couldn't get there. You had to go through the high priest. The high priest would make the sacrifice. He would pray to God for you. He would do all this stuff because you weren't righteous enough. So he'd make a sacrifice for himself so he could go in there, and then he would make sacrifices for you so that you could even go in there. Because if you go in there, it's done for. But he's the high priest, but it says he's the high priest of your confession, which means what you say. He's the mediator between God and man of what you say. You want to enter into a place of rest. You take the word of God. You mix it with your faith. You let that word do the impossible in your life. But then you watch what comes out of your mouth. You make sure that the, the words that are coming out of your mouth aren't contradicting what the word says. You know, if he's the mediator between man and and God of what you say, and God's there, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and God's like, well, wh what did they say? Well, they said when it rains, it pours. <laughs> they said if it's not bad, it's worse. <laughs> They're saying that sickness runs through their family, that alcoholism runs through their family. They've got anger issues that run through their families. Like, okay, what do I do with that, <laughs> right? We need to let our mouth line up with what the Word of God says if we're going to enter into that place of rest, because if you're trying to get your head, your mind, will, and emotions into the place of rest, and yet your mouth is contradicting everything that you say you're, you're believing, it's going to be hard for you to do that. You're convincing yourself every day. That's why I love praying in the Spirit. Amen? Why? Because I can't even disagree with that. I don't know what I'm saying. I can't fear or doubt or... <laughs> I'm just praying a perfect prayer, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't even know what I said. <laughs> That's why God probably invented it. Like, oh, they're going to doubt it. Just, I'll pray through you. <laughs> right? So you look at this stuff. And I think the perfect example of entering into the rest is, is us going into a place of peace. Where we know that God has us. That we know that he's going to take care of us. And yet, we say that we believe that until something happens. You see, even... Uh, the Israelites, they were building a track record with God the whole time. I looked through the plagues, and I was like, um, God, why did you do it that way? Because they, they had a plague come, and Pharaoh said, let the people go, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm like, what? The plan is to let my people go. He said, I'll let my people go, and you're like, nah, not yet. Why? He wasn't just trying to uh, let his people go. He was trying to build a track record with them. He was trying to say, here's a miracle. No, no, you need to see another miracle. No, no, you need to see another miracle. No, no, you need to see another miracle because you're about to go up for a sea and you're going to doubt there. You're going to go to the other side and you're going to doubt there. You're going to go, I need you when you get to the promised land to get in there and take it, <laughs> right? Because they saw miracle after miracle and they still, as soon as they saw something big happen in their life, and I was reading this, I'm like, God, what stubborn people. And he's like, that's my people today. I'm like, we're not me, Lord. <laughs> but why? Because we see something massive happen in our life. We see it happen again and again and again. And that we come to a situation and we're like, God, where are you at? How am I going to get through this, Lord? 
Or do you even care? What, when we look in our past, he's never left us or forsaken us. Right? So we need to get in that spot where we know we enter in the place of rest where we say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know that I am. Why? Because I have a track record with God. And if I look at my past, he didn't let me down here. He didn't let me down here. So he's sure not going to let me down here. Right? And we get into that spot. But here's what I want to talk about. In John 14, it says this. John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, you've heard this a million times if you've been in church for a season. If you just got saved today, here's a new verse. Um, But let's look at this in context, because peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, you just kind of brush through this stuff without understanding the context of what this is even saying. Because this was Jesus praying in the garden, right? Sweating blood and tears. Why? Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was going to be ripped apart, beaten to death, die for the sins of the whole world. And he knows the scriptures. He knows what's going to happen. And scriptures say that even beaten so much that even his own mother wouldn't be able to recognize him. So think about this. You're walking down the street and you're like, man, I feel awful for whoever that is. And that's your son. That's your child. And you don't even know as you walk past. This is what that's how bad he was going to be beaten and bruised. And his disciples were his best friends for the last three years that were with him every single day, laying their head on his chest at dinner, hanging out with him, seeing miracles, going up all over with him. And yet Jesus says to them, hey, I'm about to be ripped apart in front of you, but let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What? That would be pretty morbid to say to somebody. And it would be wrong for Jesus to say if it was impossible. So how is it possible to say something like this? So you have to understand this verse and why it was possible for Jesus to say this. You see, it says, peace I leave with you. Peace is actually the word shalom here. And it was translated into peace. The word in Hebrew, shalom, is actually so big and robust that we don't even have anything come close to it in the English dictionary that we just translate shalom into peace. But shalom actually means peace, prosperity, wholeness, tranquility, all wrapped into one. Healing, it's a complete everything. So we didn't, I fully didn't understand shalom, and uh, we sent our interns, and actually Mark went there too, and we ran a, a event or helped out with it. It was somebody else's event, but it was uh, in D.C., and it was stand with the leaders of Israel. And what, was, what it was is that they, all their leadership was coming in, and praise God, it's important to stand with Israel, right? All right, so what we were doing is they were, they were just pointing, hey, go down this hall, you're going to do this. But as they were there, the leaders would say, Shabbat Shalom. And you're like, what does that mean? Hakuna Matata, for the rest of your days. <laughs> it means no worries. But as they walk by and they're like, Shabbat Shalom, you don't really understand what it's saying, but it's not just a greeting of hello. And it's not just, hey, bless you today. It's a blessing on your life, a blessing on your family, a blessing on your health, a blessing on your finances, a blessing in every way, everything that you're touching, everything that's around, anything that's a part of you, may you be blessed. But see, that's not even good enough. Why? Because your peace isn't good enough. Your prosperity isn't good enough. Your health isn't good enough. 
That's why he doubled up and said, Shalom, I leave with you. No, wait. My shalom, I give to you. You don't just want peace. You're going to want the peace that passes all understanding. You're not going to just want health, but you're going to want by my stripes you were healed. You're not going to just want prosperity, but you're going to want that my God shall supply all of my needs, but not according to my needs, but according to his riches and glory. You see, we go to lots of different churches, and we go all over, and when the church says we'll take care of you, that means a lot of different things. (laughs) It sometimes means um, we're at five-star hotels. Sometimes it means, hey, you can sleep here on these pews, or there's some pews over there. Um, We've got some boiled hot dogs if you guys want. You can dip them in ketchup, you know, or it's, it's according to where the church is at, right? According to the church's system, what they believe in. But when God says, I'll show supply your needs according to my riches and glory, that's a different meaning, (laughs) right? He's got a lot of cows on a bunch of hills I've heard, right? He's not nervous about your, God, I don't know, my mortgage. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a big deal, <laughs> right? Well, I've got some, some streets that were paved with gold. I think I can help out if you need, right? But we got to get our, our mind, will, and emotions in the right spot. So when you look at this stuff, it says that, that peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So he was saying that I'm going to give you my peace, my wholeness, my tranquility. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And I was teaching this message um, all over, and God was telling me to preach this message. And I was there, and an older guy came up to me after. I was preaching one Sunday, and he goes, I loved your message. Go farther. And I'm like, Master Yoda, what does that mean? Right? What is that even? What are you talking about? Look harder. And so I started to look it up. And actually, um, in the Hebrew word, what they do in the Hebrew is a picture graphs. And so you cannot um, even question what it means because they just draw it in crayon for you in pictures, right? So actually the word shalom is made up of four words, and this is what it is. Four words that mean shalom is chaos, attached, authority, destroy. And you look at that and you're like, I still don't understand until you realize that in Hebrew you don't read from left to right but you read from right to left, so it actually means to destroy the authority attached to chaos. So let not your heart be troubled, <laughs> neither let it be afraid. What Jesus was saying is, I'm not just going to give you the authority to destroy the works of the devil, but I'm going to leave you my authority that's here to destroy the works of the devil, so that I'm going to leave you my Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That's the shalom that's coming, because I'm going to be, you, you want me right here. You're saying, don't leave us, Lord. It's, it's going to be scary. I don't want to be standing next to you. I want to be closer than that. I want to be inside of you. I don't want to just, oh, let's go out and do something. I want to be inside all of you that we can have a co-mission. So let not your heart be troubled, because when you, anything that you need, I will supply it. So let not your heart be troubled. And it started to all make sense. So I don't know about you guys and what you've been going through, but this should help you out. Any work of the devil that's coming at you, you haven't just been given the authority to destroy it. You've been given his authority on the inside of you, that Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? And I want to end with this verse, and I want to show this to you real quick. It says this in First Peter 
You guys have maybe read this one a few times as well. But I want to show it to you. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if you study this out and you look at devour, the word devour actually is a, a description that they used to lap up the remains. So it's not just kill you. You know, it comes from even John 10.10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That word destroy is the same kind of word right here where after he's taken everything from you that he possibly can, um, he wants to lap up what remains. He's not just trying to hurt you. He's trying to make there's nothing left of you. So if you look at this, it says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant just means pay attention, right? Because your adversary, the devil. Now, here's where a lot of people have it wrong, because you think that God and the devil are adversaries. That could be, that's so far from the truth that it's laughable. An adversary would be like... Um, Batman and the Joker, or Thanos and all of the Avengers combined. <laughs> right? It's, it's a battle that's happening. Um, the devil's not an adversary with, with God. In fact, he was defeated 2,000 years ago. Right? There's not a battle going on. In fact, in the end days, with the, the big battle, it will be like this. You're done. <laughs> and it's over. He's your adversary. Why? Because he's after you. He can't win against God, so he's going to see if he can take you with him. Right? He's going to mess with your, your mind, willing, and your emotions. He's going to mess with your head, try to get you not to believe what the Word of God says, because if he can do that, you're done. And so he's your adversary, and he's walking around like a roaring lion. But this tells me something. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion, which means he's fake, and he's a poser. How many of you love fake people? <laughs> Amen. Right? He's like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour, which also tells me he doesn't even know who he can devour. Why? You see, I looked up in uh, my study guide. It's called Google. And uh, <laughs> I looked up, why does a lion roar? And it said this, a lion doesn't want to fight. A lion wants to roar and make everything run away so it can come lay on a rock and suntan right? wants to come in and take over a territory, but it doesn't really want to fight. So it'll roar and say, I'm coming, leave. And when you see the, a lion fight, right, it's when he roars and like, I think I could take him. I think I can. But most of the time he's like, roars, the other one will roar back. He's like, nah, I'm not going there, right? He's roaring because he wants you to run. Why? And it says, seeking whom he may devour. Why? Because he doesn't know who he can devour. Why? Because he can see who you are in Christ. So he looks at you and sees who you are in Christ, but that doesn't scare him. It really doesn't. Because he sees and he knows who you are in Christ. But he doesn't know if you know it yet. What terrifies him is not who you are in Christ, but that you'll figure it out. Because if you figure it out, he's done for so he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's just going to roar <laughs> and see if you run. So I, I did this. I went and I, I looked up on the old Googler on how does, 
how to survive against a lion attack. And I thought, this is either going to be the best message or the worst message. <laughs> I look it up, and it says, you don't, you die. And I'm like, thank you, Perryville, for having me. Be blessed. <laughs> you don't get to win, <laughs> right? Or I don't know, is this going to say, bring a bigger friend that can't run as fast? I, d- I don't know. <laughs> Small kittens, you don't like it. I don't know. How to defend yourself against a lion attack. And I started to look at this, and this is actually what it said. It said, to defend yourself against a lion attack, do not run. Stand that you are face on face with a loud voice while clapping your hands and raising your hands as high as you can. You will let the lion know that you are the real threat. All I can see is a picture of praise. All I can see is you thanking God for what hasn't happened yet. God, I I may feel sick, but I'm going to praise you until it comes here. And I'm going to, it's Abraham thanking God for Isaac before Isaac was there. I thank you, God. I praise you for this. How can the devil convince him otherwise when he's so thankful it's on its way, right? I thank you, God, for my health, but I don't feel well right now. Well, which one do you want to meditate on right now? And as you begin to praise God, the devil runs. Why? Because he's like a roaring lion. You want to know something? A fake lion cannot defeat the real lion of Judah that's on the inside. And when you have the real lion of Judah on the inside, you have the real roar that's on the inside of you. I'm telling you this for a reason, because the devil's been yelling and screaming in your face for years. Maybe your whole life. Maybe he's been roaring and you've been running. You sit down, maybe, oh, God's trying to bring this to you. Maybe, I don't know what it is or what situation, but I do know he's got one trick and one trick alone. He's going to yell in your face and see if you run. He wants to see if you actually believe what you say you believe. So I'm going to put a difficulty in front of you and see if you back down or if you push through. Amen? I want you guys to look at this because this is so important. When you begin to praise and you thank God, for what hasn't happened yet. You begin to worship God in the middle of a storm. This is when true breakthrough happens. This is where you start to get horsepower in your life. This is when everything starts to make more sense because you begin to praise God. And it's not a, hear me on this, because it's not a, I'm going to praise God to make it happen. I'm praising God because I know it's happened. I haven't seen it yet. Sometimes we get a revelation of this and we put it back under the law. I'm going to praise God to make God do it. That's not what you're doing. I know that he did it because he said it. And I'm just going to worship him and thank him until it manifests. Right? There can be a lot of condemnation that goes with this kind of revelation if you put it back under the law. And if you're like, well, now I've got to worship, I've got to worship, and I've got to get, God, I prayed, and so now I, I need a healing in my body, and so I, I need to worship and pray so that God will heal them, because that's what I need to do. No, that's not what it is. The spot of worship is coming from when you know that it's finished. You know that it's done. You've got, you've labored to enter into the rest, and when you finally, when your reality is more real that it's happened and it's done, right? I used an example last night. You know, if you were struggling with a house payment and the richest guy in town called you 
and told you he's got you covered. In fact, he's going to pay off your whole house. You would call every single person and let them know before it's even happened. You couldn't contain yourself. But yet when God says, I've got you covered, do we really believe it? And so going into this spot of I'm going to worship him because I actually believe it in my heart now is where breakthrough happens. But we have to go back to Hebrews 4. we got to take the word of God and take the word of God and take the word of God and take the word of God. Keep mixing it with our faith. Keep mixing it. It's, it's a prescription. And if you feel like it's not working, you double the dosage. And you double up on the word of God until you start to mix. If faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God, I need to build my faith up where I, this is my greater reality that he's, he's my God and he's going to supply all of my needs. And so I've got to read this until this is more real than what I'm feeling at the moment. Amen. So I want to stand up in this place for a moment. And I want to just pray because I really want there to be victory in this house. I know that there's been people in here that have been feeling down. You've been feeling like the devil's been coming at you. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's with your health. But it's been a tough season. And I just say right now, just begin to pray. Pray in the spirit. Just begin to ask God, God, what is it? That you want me to fight back in, Father? What, what part has the devil been roaring so loudly in my face and I didn't even notice it? Thank you, Father. God, I declare peace right now in the mind. God, that you would give us the peace that passes all understanding because you've left us your peace. God, we ask for that joy that's unspeakable. God, we ask for, God, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, blessing and abundance in our finances, God. God, we thank you for the health that you've given us in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you haven't just given us shalom, but you've given us your shalom. God, you haven't just given us authority to destroy the works of the devils, but your authority, because you're living on the inside of us, God. And I pray right now that every person would get that revelation, God, that they would begin to fight again. God, that they would surround themselves with people when they couldn't lift their arms to worship anymore, their friends would lift their arms and say, we are not backing down now. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you guys for letting me be here this morning and, and just supporting Kingdom. Uh, we have a, a slide about a text thing. We um, With Kingdom Youth and what we're doing, if you guys want to be a part in a way of praying with us, we want um, some warriors and some people who know who they are in Christ. We want to give you guys updates if you want to. So you just text um, prayer. So the word prayer to 844-764-2032. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to come at you with, hey, we need a billion dollars. But we will say, hey, this is what we're believing for right now. This is what we're praying for. These are the new cities that we're going to. Right now, Kingdom Youth is looking at opening up uh, this fall brand new cities in New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Columbus, Ohio. So... We've got the churches ready to go there. 
We've got partners ready to go there, but we're believing God to financially make it happen. We're believing God for a team to surround us. They're calling and saying, you have to come here. Our kids are destroying themselves. And uh, they don't, they're lost. They have no hope. They have no vision. They, have, they don't know. So if you guys want to be a part of what we're doing and just be in the know, in the up-to-date, just text prayer again to 844-764-2032. And um, so I just want to tell you guys that uh, Pastor had said that um, you guys were going to do just a love offering for what we're doing. And so I wanted you guys to know that's what we're doing. And we're traveling all over as a last uh, traveling youth conference to go get a generation from the pits of hell. And give them the right message too, not put them into bondage, into religion and all that, but set them free in Jesus' name. Right? Not just salvation, but set them free in every area of their life, that sozo, that complete salvation, the gospel of freedom in Jesus Christ, that shalom that we talked about today, letting them know this message that I preach is a message that we're preaching to 12-year-olds. Why? They need to hear it as much as we do, right? We don't talk down to them as kids. We talk to them like there's an enemy that's coming at them, right? So I want to thank you guys so much for uh, being here this morning, for supporting Kingdom. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. And uh, thank you guys so much. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.